Hey everyone, it's Michael here, and welcome to the Good E-Reader Radio Show. Hopefully you were digging some of those tunes. And this is the first time that we're sort of doing a live broadcast on Twitch, so you can like listen to us on the Twitch channel. Uh, I believe this the URL is twitch.tv slash goodyreader, or you can just search for Good E-Reader on Twitch. There's a sidebar a widget there on our website at goodyreader.com. And it will sort of say that we're doing like the radio show right now. Let me just uh, do some edits. Instead of playing music and such. So this is uh, all set up and ready to go. And so, yeah, this is sort of a little bit a different format. Of course, when the show is over, uh, we're going to be uh, distributing it to Apple Podcast, to uh, Google Podcast, Stitcher Radio, Spotify Podcasts, and all of our different sort of uh, distribution systems as usual for our podcast. So uh, let's get into it. Uh, Xiaomi is developing a new e-reader that is going to be crowdfunded. So they've done a few e-readers so far. Uh, some of them have come out. Some of them are sort of in limbo right now. Uh, they are basically doing a touchscreen only version with no manual page turn buttons. It's going to be sold through their MyG account and it was the pictures and uh, sort of documentation was initially shared by Weibo. It's going to be a six inch e-reader. It's probably just going to be sold in China. So Xiaomi's done like the T6 so far as well as the Moan W7 which is a digital note taking device. They announced that in spring and it's still not available yet so I'm not really too sure sort of what's going on about that but let's talk about something that you can get your hands on and actually buy and use. Uh, Bokeen is releasing their first e-readers in a few years. Uh, it's called the Diva and the Diva HD. So the Diva is basically like an entry-level device. Uh, there's really nothing too exciting about it. Um, other than like it'll be like for 99 euros or 99 dollars US. Um, it has like a frontlet display, 212 PPI. Uh, the DVHD is a little bit better. It's 139 euros, so it's basically the equivalent of the paperweight right now by Amazon. A uh, 300 PPI display screen, frontlet display, and a color temperature system. There's also two physical page turn buttons on the right side, but it has a gyroscope, so you could uh, switch it over if you're left-handed, and the buttons would be on the left-handed side. Uh, no turn on like release date and stuff but they did release some kind of cool uh, sleep cover cases that have popular books on uh, the you know the front of it uh, Sony digital paper this is the sort of the flagship standard when it comes to digital note-taking devices they were the first ones that released a product that 
took digital notes and Sony used to do consumer grade e-readers. They actually had e-readers predating the Amazon Kindle uh, in 2007. So they, you know, they've been doing e-readers for a really long time. They sort of abandoned their e-reader business unit like around like 2015, 2014. And then um, a few years later, they released their first generation digital paper. And each and every year, they sort of release like a new product uh the current rp1 which is their 13 inch e-reader and the reason why a lot of these companies like boyu uh onyx and uh you know sony release like these large screen 13.3 e-reading devices is because a sheet of a4 paper is 13 inches and so if you have like a 13.3 inch e-reader it's basically the digital equivalent of a physical piece of paper so um, that's the big draw behind these devices unfortunately they're a bit expensive you know you're spending anywhere between like six and like eight hundred nine hundred dollars on them so they're not really too designed for consumers they're more for prosumers or or business type of users so uh, Sony is going to be replacing the DPTRP one that came out in 2007. It was supposed to be released this year, but the company made the internal decision in Japan to delay it until around April or May of 2020. Uh, Sony Japan is primarily responsible for the design and manufacturing, and they do take feedback from their American uh, business unit on what type of features that our people in the U.S. are looking for because, uh, you know, the bulk sales of the d- digital paper line come from U.S. buyers. Now, it's important to know that the digital paper, for the most part, is only sold in Japan and in the U.S., and both versions have completely different firmware so if you order like a Japanese unit everything's going to be in Japanese and there's no way that you can load the English UI on it uh, you would have to sort of like buy it from uh, Sony directly uh, from B&H uh, from their Amazon account and so on so it's pretty hard to buy the digital paper outside of those two markets so the next generation digital paper I've heard some People tell me that are actually working in the upstream supply chain, which are uh, basically third-party companies that Sony like buys panels from, the plastic chassis, uh, the internal components, and things like that. So I've heard that um, the next generation digital paper will have a different stylus than the models before it, and the device will more or less look the same. The hardware will be a little bit more robust. Instead of a quad-core processor, it will have an octa-core one, and it'll have two gigs of RAM instead of one gigs of RAM that are in the uh, RP1. Uh, user storage will be increased because they're actually adopting a new version of Android. I've heard that they're going to be using 32 gigs instead of the 16 gigs that the 2017 model has now. Um, the new DPT will also leverage the same digital paper app to transfer documents to and from your uh, you know, PC or Mac. And um, they're on the fence whether they want to still have NFC uh, on the device because 
you know, basically for the Fleece Fleece card, which is big in Japan, but in the U.S. nobody really uses it. So they're basically trying to determine if they should still have NFC on this device or whether they should just have like Wi-Fi only. Uh, digital paper pretty locked down. Like I said, it relies on mobile apps. It also relies on apps for. Um, you know, uh, for iPhone and uh, Android. So this is the sort of like platform that will, it makes it a little bit more difficult. It's sort of the same way with, with the, the Remarkable. Uh, Remarkable and Sony, two really awesome pieces of digital note-taking technology, although the Remarkable has a 10.3-inch screen, so it's not going to give you that slick PDF experience as the 13.3-inch will, but they both rely on apps, and I feel that that's one of the things that are sort of holding these two back from... Uh, becoming mainstream other than just like the high cost remarkable you can pick up for about like 550 nowadays a uh, sony digital paper you know you're still going to be like spending a lot of money on it uh, but at the same point i feel like yeah just the reliance on apps is, is is terrible because one thing that we have learned from having various remarkable units like in our studio and units that they have like sent us for like review and comparison purchases you can only have one remarkable per like account so if i have the remarkable app on my pc i can only ever attach one remarkable to it and there isn't an easy way to remove that remarkable from my account so if i want to set up another remarkable i gotta log out of my account register a new account and set it up that way and sony's the same so this is why i'm like a bigger fan of like these android driven devices instead of um you know, uh, like the Onyx Books Max 2, um, uh, or sorry, Max 3, I'm a huge fan of it because, like, it's running Android 9. You can export your notes as PNGs or PDFs. That's pretty compelling because all you are... You know, it's basically the click of a button. Uh, another thing that I like about uh, the Max 3 is that you can actually draw in color. Now... Of course, it's an e-paper screen. No color will actually show up on the screen. But as soon as you export these notes to your computer, suddenly the colors are there. So you can do color underlines. Or uh, if you're a teacher grading like papers, you can use red to cross something out and like write like your little notes or something, which are, are you know feedback and things like that. So it's pretty useful in terms of digital note taking and being rather platform agnostic so it doesn't rely on apps you just sort of drag and drop things via windows explorer as like you would like used to so pretty handy uh basically uh what else uh, onyx book pretty well in the last few weeks released like the note 2 and it's actually shipping now uh note 2 is sort of the big successor of the original note that came out a couple of years ago it is very solid piece of hardware and it's really going to give like boyu uh with their Lightbook aries and um you know other companies that are involved in the 10.3 space are run for their money uh, for the most part, it's running like a Qualcomm octa-core 2 gigahertz processor, uh, 4 gigs of RAM, uh, 
you know, uh, four gigs of internal storage, or sorry, four gigs of RAM, 64 gigs of internal storage, uh, USB-C port, um, has Wi-Fi 5G, it has OTG, so you can actually, like, plug in, uh, you know, USB-C accessories, like a, a foot pedal for musicians, or like a keyboard, or a mouse, or even just an SD card. <coughs> Excuse me. And OTG is pretty good. It also has Bluetooth, so you can uh, attach Bluetooth accessories as well. Uh, there's a fingerprint button to unlock your device, so it, it is pretty secure in a respect that you can unlock unlock your device with a fingerprint. And Onyx is really the only company that's kind of doing that. Um, a lot of companies involved in these sort of digital note-taking, you know, and even just consumer e-readers in general, like Kindles and, and Kobos and Nooks and things like that, they don't really have a lot of security features to just lock your device. So if it gets stolen, people could just, like, wipe it and use it. Um, and, you know, Amazon's really the only company that could really kind of lock out devices and make them bricks. But to my knowledge, Barnes & Noble and Kobo don't really have, like, loss prevention offices where they could just shut off a serial number and make it unusable. I've never even heard of that before. So having something that would provide even just a extra layer of security, I I'm all for. Uh, second generation Note, Android 9. This is the second e-reader ever, like both, you know, cheap and cheerful or expensive that runs version Android 9. And the only other model to do it, well, it's another Onyx Book Max uh, 3. Uh, so you can get Android 9 only with Onyx. And one of the big benefits of that is just the extra added layer of security. Most Android e-readers on the market, whether they're just e regular e-book readers or skin versions, like for instance, all of the Barnes and Noble Nook e-readers are running Android, but you would never know it because Barnes and Noble just skins it differently. Uh, but they're running like a severely outdated version of it, which is like full of security holes. Uh, the more that you gravitate towards, like, you know, a, you know, not a vanilla version of Android, but you know, basically all Android e-readers are skinned, so you really kind of wouldn't know other than if, than if you go to the apps menu and there's an app store available where you can install your own apps. Um, Android 9 provides security. Uh, it, you know, fills a lot of voids. Uh, a lot of the e-readers out there are only running Android 6.0, and even e-readers that were issued like a year ago were running like 4.04, .04, and... I mean, those operating systems have been around for like, I, I want to say like eight or nine years. And over that time, you know what it's like. You read all the time in the news that like people find these zero day Android exploits and things like that. With e-readers, I've never really heard of a case of anybody actually getting an e-reader hacked. So that is, you know, you have that going for you. But then there's a lot of people that are like like-minded people that are like, you know, do I want to connect up to like a public Wi-Fi with a really outdated version of Android where like anybody could hacksaw it? Android 9 at least provides some security in that res respect, but it also gives you more freedom to install modern day apps. There's a lot of sort of newer apps, whether they're ebook reading apps, manga apps, digital comic type apps, things like that, that 
rely on a higher version of Android than most e-readers are capable of handling. So at least with the Note 2, you could run anything, any app, anything like that. And the reason why you could do it is because they have a new system for fast page refresh modes. And this is why I'm sort of bullish about uh, Onyx is because for the Max 3 and just Note 2, they have like a few different refresh modes available that will allow you to basically watch YouTube videos, play games without losing a lot of frames. Uh, they have like, you know, like super A2 modes and a super page like refresh system where it could actually be... Uh, with the Note 2 at least, because it doesn't have uh, micro HDMI, so it can actually act as like a secondary monitor for your computer. But you can use screen uh, mirroring software, so whatever is on your PC will be on your Onyx screen. And you can actually interact with the touch screen. Um, you're not dropping any frames. It actually performs really well. You can actually check out our YouTube video at youtube.com slash goodyreader and check out our Note 2 review. Uh, that really shows uh, a lot of sort of that in action on the consumer uh, side of things pocketbook has a few things that they have are in the process of releasing um they've had the touch lux 4 for about a year now but they've just issued the touch lux 4 limited edition which is just here for the holiday season uh is gold so the whole like body all the buttons, like all the the back, it's it looks like it's made of gold, which is really kind of cool. It's it's very striking and stands out in a in a crowd of, of black e-readers or white e-readers. You know, the vast majority of e-readers out there are two colors: they're black or they're white. And so, Pocketbook sort of adopting a different gold color, kind of interesting. Uh, they're including a free custom-made case, uh, a free gift box, and it's like uh, just about $149. Um, one of the nice things about this e-reader is that it's platform agnostic. They're not locking you into any type of ebook store, although they do have uh, Adobe digital rights built into it. So you can sideload in library books to borrow from Overdrive, uh, books that you purchase from Barnes & Noble or Kobo. You can just sort of use Adobe digital editions to sideload them in. Uh, they also can access your like a Dropbox account, things like that. It has a lot of different dictionaries and things. Um, so, yeah, dictionaries, like, um, it supports comic formats, manga formats. It's pretty solid in terms of, like, uh, you know, and uh, general-purpose 6-inch e-reader. And Pocketbook has actually released their first big-screen e-reader. Um, I believe it's called the InkPad X. Yeah, so the Inkpad X is a bit of a departure from the normal things that Pocketbook has done in the past. It's a 10.3-inch e-reader. Uh, it started to ship out on November the 15th, so just like last week. Uh, we still don't even have like a, a sample in our YouTube studio yet, so we haven't really done a review on it yet. I actually have to remind myself to email them and ask them when they're going to send it out. Uh, it's $450, so it's not cheap, but it's a 10.3-inch e-ink Mobius e-paper display with a resolution of 1404 by 18, 8, 
1872 with 227 ppi so when it comes to that size screens, almost everything at 10.3 inches is a digital note-taking device. But Pocketbook has done something different. They've actually made a 10.3 inch e-reader. So this is sort of exclusively geared towards reading books, um, you know, reading comics, reading, uh, you know, manga, reading sort of the written word. And I think that this is actually like very interesting because, um, you know, for instance, it has a dual core, one gigahertz processor, one gig of RAM, 32 gigs of internal storage, as USB-C, uh, 2000 milliamp battery. It's very light. It weighs 300 grams. Uh, there's a lot of six inch e-readers out there that weigh significantly more. Uh, it supports like every format out there, like CBR, CBZ, DigiVu, Doc, DocX, EPUB, you know, FB2, Mobi. HTML, PDF, PRC, RTF, text. I mean, it supports even like your music files, MP3, OGG, or M4B. So you could actually listen to audiobooks, podcasts, uh, music. Um, it doesn't have Android. Pocketbook has always sort of done their own Linux interface. But from everything that we've seen so far, this looks like the e-reader to beat for 2019 just in a respects that it fits more text on the screen at the same time like you could increase the size of the fonts sure to make it easier on the eyes like if you're if you're like an older person or if you have like glaucoma or you need like an e-reader because simply you want to fit more you know, th there's a big difference between, say, buying, like, a 6-inch Kindle that can, say, only fit, like, maybe 100 words on a screen at any given time. And the more that you increase the screen real estate, like, say, the Kobo Forma, for example, it's, like, about 7.8 inches or so, maybe 8 inches. You can fit way more text on a screen on a, you know, like, an 8-inch e-reader than you do a 6. And even a 10.3-inch e-reader, you can fit even more text on a screen. So less pages you have to turn and if you're talking about increasing the size of the font to make it easier to read um, because let's face it as you grow older some people need reading glasses just to read a book with an e-reader you can just increase the size of the font and you don't really need to read reading glasses when you're doing it so the inkpad x appeals to a wide demographic of people it's available in the goodie reader store we're official distributor of pocketbook and an official distributor of Onyx and of Boyu and of like all these sort of bigger brands um, we're official distributor for just because we recognized that going you know buying from like a, a European site that you've never heard of before because they're the only distributor of pocketbook it's not really that good like whereas you know um, a Canadian company selling it a little bit more trustworthy especially if you're ordering it in Canada or the US and and things like that so we you know did a lot of distribution for some of sort of these companies that you know Onyx for the longest time was only available in China and so once we started distributing for them you know suddenly now they're on Amazon they're uh, easier to get now and same with the like book series um, when we opened up our store a few years ago we were the only people carrying those e-readers 
stores like anywhere outside of China. And then, you know, after they saw our sales, they're like, hey, we should start focusing on this market. So they started directly selling on Amazon and were finding more international distributors for like their products because they kind of realized, you know, Chinese markets treating us well, but hey, this something to this international market that's uh I don't know. There's 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 something to it. Um so a lot of reviews that we've done lately. And this is like good news for the e-reader industry as a whole because this is 2019 had the most e-readers issued than any year prior. So As you guys know, when the Kindle came out, it, it changed everything. And then, you know, Barnes & Noble started releasing e-readers. Kobo started releasing e-readers. Pocketbook got into the fray. Uh, there was a lot of companies that kind of started, like uh, Entourage or the Green Book. And all these, like, alternative brands started up taking advantage of the e-reader market from like around 2017 to about 2000, um, sorry, 2007 to about 2013 were like the boom period of e-readers. Like everyone was seeing like billion dollars in sales. They were seeing like a ton of like alternative like revenue. Um, you know, Barnes and Noble even at that time was making a crap ton of money every single year. And then the it become oversaturated everyone who wanted an e-reader kind of already had one there wasn't enough advances in e-paper to really make buying a new one every year for the people who already had one there wasn't a big reason why so from about 2014 to about 2017 uh, the e-reader industry crashed you saw like the nook losing money you saw kobo scale back Amazon continue to release, you know, e-readers every year because, you know, they control 75% of the U.S. market, 95% of the United Kingdom, and as you go, you know, into Europe, Amazon's very still respectable. Same with Kobo. Kobo's the global two-number player now, where it used to be Barnes and Noble, and so it was dark days for the e-reader industry. Uh, so many people just went bankrupt and out of business. People who just opened up an e-book store suddenly found that it wasn't viable anymore, sold their customers to Barnes & Noble, sold their customers to Kobo, um, and so on. And so around like 2018 to 2019, there was a resurgence. And it was partly due to new technology. So Amazon, for example, getting out of the six-inch e-reader space, releasing the Oasis, bigger screen, um, Amazon products that you can now listen to audiobooks and buy audiobooks from. Amazon finally adopting a color temperature type screen. Most vendors now support both a frontlet display, color temperature system, as well as new e-paper that makes the pages turn faster, uh, less refreshing, less ghosting, things like that. So people suddenly now have a reason to upgrade for just like a cheap and cheerful handheld e-reader. And then the thing that I think that saved the industry 
in general were digital note-taking devices. Uh, this is the Sony Digital Paper, uh, the Like Book series, the Onyx Book series. Um, you know, those are just the, the main notables. There's a few other companies involved in the space, like, uh, you know, the Moo Inc. Uh, Pro in South Korea or the Xiaomi Moan W7 just available like in China when it becomes eventually available. But, you know, there's a lot of sort of smaller regional players. But at the same time, you know, it was Sony, Remarkable, Onyx, Boyu, uh, that or and Supernote to a lesser degree. Supernote just burst on a scene in 2019 and quickly like started getting some pretty serious market share with like their digital stationary products, slick uh, design and uh, just innovative features. So all those products and all those companies basically saved the e-paper industry. E-Ink is suddenly making money again because there's so many different new licensees that are licensing their e-paper tech. You know, I, I don't know the ratios because, you know, nobody reports sales figures. Amazon never reports Kindle sales. Uh, Kobo and Rakuten never disclose how many units that they're selling. Now that Barnes & Noble is a private company, they're probably not going to disclose Nook sales, ebook sales anymore. So it's really hard to gauge how successful these products are all we can do is like look at amazon see how many units that they're selling see what like the you know how many reviews that they have questions to answers and our own store which really helps us kind of understand the popularity of certain devices because you know with our store we launched it in 2000 our new store we had shoppy readers like in like 2011 to it to you know when the dark days of e-readers started to happen and we just closed it because it just wasn't viable anymore people just weren't buying e-readers and then 2017 sort of when e-readers started to pick up at the end of the year we reopened up our store and started selling e-readers and accessories and screen protectors and everything like that on our site directly and so that gives us some very unique uh, information because like suddenly we're dealing with all these vendors that are actually making the things and so we're privy to like a lot of products that might be coming out a year from now that they're working on now that we can't talk about on the site but we can kind of get a, a firmer understanding of what are the products that are selling uh, who's buying what so from the data that we have it's like a 50-50 split between like Kindles, Kobos, pocketbooks, um, and then consumer-grade e-readers issued by like Onyx, like the Nova, uh, the Poke Pro, things like that, and then the digital note-taking devices. And so the digital note-taking devices account for a fair more revenue just because they cost a lot more. You know, like um, a pocketbook, Touch HD is like $130, and then like... Um, like a max three is like $900. So obviously there's more money to be made on like the digital note-taking side of things, which is why a lot more companies are getting involved in this space because you just, you can mark your products up and make like a few hundred dollars, you know, on these types of things. If you're like a man, like if you're, if you're Onyx selling these things to distributors or selling them to Amazon, I mean, their costs are probably just like, 
you know, with the Max 3, maybe like three or $400 per unit. And then, you know, they pass that cost to distributors, to retailers and things like that. So everybody earns less money up in the chain, but Onyx makes the most. So it's sort of in their best interest to continue making these digital note-taking products because people are buying them more than ever before. And our store is pretty well a great way for us to be able to tap into analytics, uh, sales data, the type of data that no other company will publicly disclose. At least we could extrapolate uh, trends and uh, analysis of the overall health of the industry. And that's notwithstanding the people who visit our website on a daily basis. I'm pleased to report that uh, 2019 was the highest year ever for traffic on our site. And I think that comes down to us just, you know, so many more e-readers being released this year than than virtually ever before. I mean, Kobo released three, Tolino released three, uh, Pocketbook released three, Onyx released five, uh, Boyu released four, like uh, it's just there's so many like uh, that's just off the top of my head. That's not accounting for like the e-ink smartphones that we've reviewed or, um, you know, um, um, other types of like products and comparison videos and things like that. So, I mean, there was a ton of products this year. And this is like great because, you know, for someone that loves um, you know, ebooks and e-readers and things like that, it's a glorious 2019 was glory, you know, for just experimenting with like new products, new accessories, and just like, you know, reviewing and comparing everything like together. I mean, I just reviewed like a pair of uh, Beats Solo Pro headphones. Those are sort of the noise canceling headphones that, uh, that Beats released. And so they're over the ear headphones. And we tried doing a review of that. I mean, it didn't really get a lot of reads or anything like that, but trying something, trying to review new sort of products like on a site and things like that. Uh, just because I recognize that just the audiobook podcast, so, there's so much growth with that. I don't have like the figures like right in front of me right now, but um, generally, like year on year, audiobooks are basically increasing by like 200%, 300% a year. And just that much more content is being digitized, both the front list and back list, uh, just because they realize that there's a lot of money being there. Now, let, you know, revenue, uh, really, you know, in the US, like about three, $400 million that eBooks brought in uh, last year, whereas eBooks brought in like about $1.6 billion. So audiobooks still have a long way to go before they can ever compete against eBooks. But, you know, um, e-readers, especially ones that ha can play like audio, like say the Kindles, for an example, that you can buy audible books right on it. You can listen to it, you know, but they don't provide you headphones. So what are you supposed to do? Are you supposed to buy the Alexa earbuds? Are you supposed to just like use generic, you know, uh, Bluetooth headphones? Because, you know, Kindles don't have 3.5 millimeter headphone jacks and Amazon doesn't make any product re recommendations on what types of earphones should I buy? Should I buy Buds? like you know the pixel buds or the surface buds or the google buds or you know uh should i buy something from beats should i buy like noise canceling headphones from you know boys should i uh you know get uh, the apple earbuds you know what i mean there, there's so many uncertainties because in the audiobook space 
there's really nobody talking about audiobooks. You know, there's a lot of sites that review headphones and earbuds and things like that, but and they they talk about all these like weird specs and 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 you know they have like all these like weird pieces of like technology that's like this is the loudest that it could like go without things sounding distorted and you know here's my spectrograph and things like that but they're not really talking about what is the quality um you know they basically just talk about music and a lot of people don't listen to music more people especially millennials are are, are, you know they're not even reading books (laughs) Uh, you know like gen uh, you know like the current generation of kids they're not reading books. I had to talk about uh, a few with a few people this week about it. They were sort of looking for business ideas on the book market, and I'm like, really? Uh, it's the people that are over thirty that are driving both the ebook market and the print market. Uh, you know, women between like. 35 and 65 uh, pretty well drive bookstore sales and then online ebook sales it's still skewed more towards women that are buying it but mostly men but men over 45 that are buying it so it's surprisingly that Michael Tamblin the CEO was like ebooks are were the first new uh, technologies that were not adopted by kids or teenagers or early adults they were driven by older people and i found that that basically summed up the ebooks and so when this person was talking to me about business ideas i'm like and they were like thinking about aiming at kids and i'm like that's the stupidest thing ever because like pew research and everything like that are like kids are using instagram uh, Snapchat, they're using uh, TikTok, they're using these interactive social apps. And if they do have leisure time, uh, they're watching YouTube. Uh, they're, um, you know, it, interacting with like these various platforms. If they are reading, it's like headlines. Um, the odd article on Apple News, where it's you know it's still considered reading, but it's not like a book. There's a difference between like reading a short you know short form. Like I, I load up my iPhone and I see like the news headlines here. Jennifer Lopez has her mind on this, or Jada Smith opens up a relationship with Tupac Shakur, you know, and it's like, okay, you know, I'll I'll click on that and read it, and that's, like, what they read for the day, but I know a lot of people that um, were born just under the 2000s and just over the 2000s and the only books that they've ever read like books that they've ever read were books that they were forced to read in school and i found that 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 was like very interesting that the only books that they read were in school and because they were forced to read they now hate to read and maybe there's something for that so you know basically if I can sum up this radio show uh, in a pinch, 2019 was awesome for e-readers. 2020 is going to be even better for one big reason. I talk to the president of e-ink on a regular basis. Like every few weeks, we you know exchange links on LinkedIn and uh, other platforms. 
anything really kind of interesting in the e-ink industry, you know, we kind of like talk about it a little bit. He told me that color e-paper is going to be ready by 2020. So does this mean a color e-reader is going to come out in 2020 or maybe 2021 at the latest? But it really looks like they've solved the refresh issue. And if you've ever read anything on our website about advanced color e-paper, this is something that e-ink has developed like a few years ago. They initially developed it for digital signage. So instead of just black and white signage, like uh, when you're at airports, when is your flight going to land? They, they have color now. For uh, cafes and things like that, instead of it just being black and white, they could have color now, you know, a color thing on a sidewalk that advertises, you know, their specials for the day. But they, the one thing that was holding it back from e-reader adoption was a, the refresh issue, which is why advanced color e-paper right now, we're just showing like one image and then changing to like a different one. But you could see the refresh rate. So Ian told me that they've solved the refresh rate for advanced color e-papers. When we were at a show in Japan, we actually gave an e-ink booth tour, and for the first time ever, the advanced color e-paper was inside of an e-reader with the refresh issue solved. So it actually was as fast on color e-paper as it was reading on your Kindle right now, or reading on your Nook or Kobo. So it's not going to be too long before we actually see color e-paper, and once we see that, everybody's going to upgrade from older devices to a newer device. Why wouldn't you? Your cover art is going to look vibrant. If you read manga or co digital comics, suddenly it's in full glorious color. Uh, webtoons, suddenly full color. You know, anything that you could read is going to look a whole lot better with color. So you, this is the Goody Reader Radio Show, the inaugural Twitch edition. Hopefully you guys have liked it. We're going to switch back to music now. Uh, everybody, take care.